All right, listeners, we are back with a fun chat, and I'm so excited to get to know my guest today a little bit more because I'm a huge fan of hers, and I keep saying this, but I don't know how I'd exactly find people on Instagram or their blogs or whatever, but when I do, I always do a screenshot and then come back to it when I start doing guests for the podcast, and Whitney from Local Color Quilts was definitely one of those people I wanted to have on. Um, Whitney lives in Buffalo, New York and makes just amazing stuff. And I just, before we started recording, learned that she used to be a photographer. So it makes sense that her, her photographs are like bomb. So Whitney, (laughs) welcome to the podcast. (laughs) Thank you. I'm so excited to be here and chat with you. I'm really honored, um, that, that you asked me to talk with you. So, yeah. I love your work, and like I said, I I don't remember how I found you or when I started following you, but I was just totally drawn in, and your work is just so, you know, I think it's fun to see other people's inspiration and, like, how they take that and take the fabric that we all have and use it in these different ways, Mm -hmm. and I I just get sucked in, so then I just go down somebody's Mm -hmm. feed, and I'm like, God. They're so creative. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> oh, thank you. That's really sweet. And, yeah, Instagram's so fun that way. I really – I love the quilting and, and sewing community on, on Instagram. Um, I just find it to be a really positive place, um, you know, compared to, like, other kind of creative communities I've been a part of. At times, like, it's just so – it seems very supportive and collaborative and, yeah, and positive. Yeah. Um, tell us a little bit about you. Um, like it seems like you're a creative person all the way around, but have you always been that way? Did you kind of grow up in a creative family or, and then how did that kind of turn into you, uh, getting into sewing? Mm -hmm. You know, I think if you had asked me like a couple years ago, if I grew up in a creative family, I probably would have been like, Oh no, because neither of my parents had a, you know, a job that was creative, but I've done some reflecting on that. And, you know, I think I really did grow up in a creative family. Um, it just was, it was like their kind of like their hobbies and just what they did, um, as part of their day-to-day life. So my mom worked in, uh, still works in healthcare, but she, um, is a really great, uh, garment maker. So she made all my Halloween costumes. She actually makes my children's Halloween costumes (laughs) and, and my girls, she makes a birthday dress for them every year. Um, and so she's really talented in that way. And then my father is just one of these people that is like, you know, like jack of all trades. He doesn't sew, uh, sew or anything like that. But, you know, he'll like, when I was in, I think, first grade, he decided to just write a play and then uh, direct and star in it for my elementary school. And it was about Kris Kringle and like the origin story of Santa Claus <laughs> and, wow. you know, or he'll like decide to go, you know, build something that he, that he needs. And my parents are divorced now. My dad's remarried. Um, and my stepmom owned a dance studio for years. So she, he makes all of her, um, her sets for her, for her dance recitals. So he's just that kind of guy, um, that really wants to just figure things out. And, and over the past couple of years, I've really, I think maybe because I have children now, I've really come to appreciate like, yeah, you know, my parents are creative. Um, you know, it just, it wasn't their job, but, but they found a way to, to bring creativity into our life and our home. 
Isn't it um, funny that you, like when you, like I always have loved my parents and respected my parents, but I see my parents in a totally different light now that I'm a parent. Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah. It totally changes yeah. you. Like totally. It really yeah. does. Yeah. Nope, it really, really does. Um, yeah. And I think that, you know, even though my father wasn't, didn't, wasn't like a textile maker, um, I am kind of more like him in that I've never had a problem with, you know, <laughs> having a hobby or having like a creative outlet. It's more like I've had trouble picking which one I really wanted to focus on. Yeah. Um, so I, for, you know, I kind of joke around and say I'm like a serial hobbyist and just, like you name it I want to try it and I'm like for right now I am trying so hard to not get into punch needling me too (laughs) (laughs) that is so funny so cool do you keep watching the videos yes yes and I'm like wait oh my god maybe I could do this (laughs) I know but like I don't need another craft right now I have like seven quilts in the works like I just don't (laughs) Good. I'm so glad. Those videos are addictive. They are. Um, I totally agree. Yeah. So did you? So, um, oh, go ahead. Go no. Go ahead. Go ahead and finish your story. Um. No. So. So I've always. Yeah. I've always been. Had a lot of um, hobbies and and creative outlets. Um. And then about my husband and I have been married for seven years, and so seven years ago, our friends got together in secret and made a quilt for us for our wedding. Um, none of them had really quilted before. Well, one of them had, and she taught everybody else how to make log cabin blocks. And so they made us this beautiful log cabin quilt for our wedding. And we were the first of our friend group to get married. And so that sort of started this tradition of us making quilts for couples in that friend group as they got married. And so I worked with my friends on, um, on making quilts. And these were big, like queen or king size quilts because we intended for people to use them on their beds. And I love doing that. That got me really comfortable with my sewing machine, which I, you know, previously just like lived in my closet. I was like afraid of it. So that making quilts with them uh, helped me get comfortable with that. But because we were making these really huge quilts and we were also some of them we hand quilted I just thought I just was like I'll never make a quilt on my own this is too hard I'm never gonna do this um and then after I had my second daughter um you know I was in like those early newborn days I just I, I don't know what got into me but I decided to like watch some videos of quilters on creative bug um, I watched some of Anna Maria Horner's classes and a few other quilters on there. And watching them work really helped me kind of get through some of the parts of quilting that I was really intimidated by. So, for instance, I really struggled with rotary cutting. I just, I don't know what it was. I just, I, I was, like, scared to use the blade. I didn't know how to hold the ruler. But just watching them do it really helped help me get over it kind of demystified the process for me and then at the same time I discovered that there was a thing called pre-cut fabrics <laughs> and so I bought a bunch of charm packs and I just started slowly making quilts and then you know over time got more comfortable um, and graduated from pre-cut fabric although I still sometimes use it um, 
And, and once, once that happened, it was like something clicked and I just became obsessed with, with quilting. Um, and, and that obsession really hasn't slowed. So I love, yeah. I love it. And I want your friend group. Like, do you need another friend in this group? I mean, you know, I can invite myself in. (laughs) I know. Oh my gosh. That is so cool. Yeah, it was really special. It was like one of my, you know, most treasured items, objects is that quilt. Oh my gosh. And just to know that you guys like intentionally took the time to do such a special thing for each other is that's amazing. I always tell my friends if I give them anything that I make, I'm like, listen, this means that I really love you and you can send me pictures mm-hmm. anytime that you use it. Like as, you know, hey, I'm using this because I kind of want to know I'm a little bit selfish like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um, well, that was what was. go ahead. No, that's, that's what was nice about this tradition is that, you know, as time went on, everybody knew how much work goes into these quilts because they had done one themselves so and I think I actually think the last two couples that we made quilts for I remember my friends the 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 brides were like had kind of convinced themselves that we hadn't done it because it just would have been too much work (laughs) and so there was always this moment of surprise like at their weddings when we would like bring out the quilt and I'd be like oh my god I can't believe you did it you pulled it off oh that's so sweet that is sweet so did you do photography before you got into quilting or is that just kind of been something that you've always enjoyed on the side yeah I so I I worked for about a decade um you know like mostly my my entire 20s I worked um in kind of political and and community organizing work Mm um and my photography and I had a photography business kind of on the side um while I was doing that work full-time and you know I've 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 always been I you know I've since I was I think in middle school I've always been playing around with cameras and interested in photography and it's just something that really clicked with me and kind of came naturally to me um and so when I, when I was um, working in politics and stuff in, in my 20s, I really was feeling like I loved that work, but I needed some kind of creative outlet. So yeah. it was a good fit for me. But I will say that I, I made some mistakes in my photography business that I am trying really hard not to replicate now that I'm focused on my textile work. Um, when I was when I was doing my photography business, I got really caught up in sort of like the trendy industry, um, you know, trendy industry um, kind of styles of photography or ways of structuring their business. And the result was that I kind of got away from what I loved, which was taking photos and got really focused on trying to build my business around these models that I thought I needed to, you know, that I needed to have, like I needed to have a certain style of senior portrait uh, uh, photography, or I needed to offer a certain kind of family photo session. And I just started to really dislike it. (laughs) And I started to feel like a fraud because I knew my heart just like wasn't in it. And so I'm trying really hard with my quilting 
work to not make those same mistakes and to just really go slow and build slowly and check in with myself at kind of every step and say, is this really what I want to do? Like, is this, or am I just doing this because I think I have to? Yeah. Um, If that makes sense. No, that makes total sense. And I, I guess I've been talking to a lot of people this month. I've been recording out the podcast and Mm-hmm. Um, getting ready for the holidays because I know it's going to be really hard to do the recordings and so I'm recording this month and then I'll have November and December that I'll have the content um, to put out but you know it's kind of funny these chats and I've talked to a lot of different kind of people in these chats you know some people said wait are you sure that you want me to come on I only have you know like 200 followers and I'm like yeah mm-hmm. you're still a maker yes and you know some people are coming on that have things coming out and that's cool too but I feel like it's teaching me that we're all makers and these conversations are really making me see the true makers, right? Like you're saying, I'm trying to Mm -hmm. take it slow. I'm trying to do my own thing. And I've heard that over and over and over that, you know, I have my style and it's really hard to not get sucked in, but I have to stay true to myself. And I kind of feel like I am an imposter these days and I'm not you know, I don't enjoy the creativity like I used to because I have things that I have to do right now, and I don't like that. Right. And I, right. I love doing the podcast. I love doing that. But as far as, like, sewing, I feel like I've had a lot of things that I've had to do, and it's really, I don't know. I haven't resented it, but I've almost not enjoyed it as much as I did when I first started sewing and would just go, you know, I think I'm going to make a quilt for our bed today. You know, like that's going to be my project until I finish it and then I'll go on to the next one and it's different now. And I miss that. I miss the slowness of it because we all have these fabric statues, but it's so easy to get caught up in the things that are going on, you know, online. Mm -hmm. I really feel that and and really relate to that. Um, You know, when I just, just when I quickly, when I, have that moment that you're talking about where I feel like I'm working on something that I've just kind of lost, like, I don't know, I just like lost interest in, or I'm I'm a little sick of, or I feel like it's an obligation. That's one thing I love about quilting is I will just make a block of two or two out of like fabric that I love for some project down the road. And I find that that is a really helpful, like it almost is like a reset button. It like reminds me of why I love it and then helps me get through it. But But yeah, I I hear you on the imposter thing. I think a lot of people deal with that. I think a lot of women deal with that, um, with, with feeling that way. Um, you know, I did a, I did a, uh, craft fair this summer. It was my first craft fair ever. It was a local one and it was so, it was so great for me to do it. Not because I sold a lot of quilts, you know, to be honest with you, they're kind of like a big ticket item to sell at a craft fair. Yeah. But because like a few things happened, one, I, I like connected with people um, in my community. I saw all my quilts together, which is not something I do. I mean, I don't like display them all together in my house. Yeah. So I saw them all together and it made me feel like, oh, wow, you know, I really, I really um, produced a lot of stuff. And I really have a style. Like I, you know, I thought I had a style. I thought I knew what it was, but when they're all in displayed together, I could really see it. Mm-hmm. And then the other thing that was so nice was that people responded to the quilts that I loved the most. Like the ones that I made that were not like 
you know, I should make this because it's kind of a trendy style right now. So, but just the ones that like came from my heart that were like the color scheme and color palette that I liked that I wasn't sure if anyone else would, those were the ones that people kept pointing out and liking the most. So it's just such a good, it, it, for me, it was such a good reminder to like, of like, go slow, follow your heart, do the, you know, do the work that speaks to you Yeah. because, you know, it can't, you can't make stuff that everybody likes, but somebody out there is, it is going to resonate with someone. And isn't it fun? I had this, I, I actually talked about it on one of my chats recently. Um, I had a lo- the local library asked me to do like a um, show and tell kind of thing. And I had oh, all fun. my quilts as well. And, you know, when I look at that, so often I feel like we don't feel like artists. And I think this has come up a lot on Instagram lately in the community. But, you know, when I looked at that, I thought, these are my paintings. You know, this is what I do. I am an artist. And this took a lot of time for me to do. And not everyone can do this. And it really, when you stand back and see all of your work together, it has this pride in your heart. And it really makes you sit back and think, I am an artist. And this is who I am. And this is a really special talent and gift that I have. And, Mm -hmm. you know, and and I think it takes little things like you just said, like going to a craft fair and having all your, your thing, you know, your quilts and your makes together really, it's almost serendipitous that, you know, that happened for you to see that. And then it it inspires you to go back and sew and like, go, yeah, this is who I am. I'm going to keep doing this. Yeah. And I mean, I don't, your library event, I'm sure that not everybody who was there was a quilter too. So I think that that's really important because when we're only like comparing ourselves or talking to people who are also like prolific quilters. Yeah, yeah that's true. You, you know, like that's the comparison, but that was my experience too. Is like when you go out, people who don't do this work, they're like blown away and it is so affirming. You yeah. know, like you said, it makes you feel like, oh yeah, like I am producing, I am talented at this I am producing something that is special yeah yeah, yeah. I totally That's agree with that. you did that um it was fun it was it was really fun um what about your like you know your process do you sketch things out when you go to make a project or you kind of get the fabric and work from there how is your process of um you know just getting in there and sewing on a project hmm, that's a good question um I Sometimes I will sometimes sketch out an idea for a block. I have yet to sketch out a whole quilt. I don't know. I just, just haven't. Um, I don't feel like I'm a very patient person. Um, like I, I, which is a reason, one of the reasons why I never really could get into knitting. Cause I just was, I don't yeah. know. It, it was just slow for me or something, which is funny because quilting's not fast either. But anyway, I, I'll sketch out a block or so, um, and then, I, you know, I typically just like to, to go in and start sewing and see how it comes together. I will often um, change my mind in the middle of a quilt. So w- one, of the first, one of the first quilts I made um, was this uh, quilt using, like, a Kona um, solid color jelly roll. Mm-hmm. And this was back in my pre-cut days. And I thought I was just going to make like this really straightforward rainbow um, jelly roll quilt that um, Heather Jones has up on Creative Bugs. But once I started piecing together these strips 
um, in kind of their color families, I decided I wanted to like cut them into squares and then cut them in half and sort of start making this geometric rainbow type quilt. Um, and I find that like that, so that kind of process of starting a quilt one way and then the, while I'm in the middle of it, getting inspiration to totally turn it on, or, on its head, that, that, ha that happens a lot. <laughs> like I kind of have to start working on it to figure out where it's going. Yeah. I love that. I, you posted that and I will make sure and put that in the show notes, the quilt that she's talking about. And it's gorgeous. It is so oh, gorgeous. Thanks. But I, I love, and I think that that sometimes after you've been sewing, sometimes that is hard to do, right? It's hard to take yeah. that and cut it up and put it back together. And I think that that is the cool thing about starting out is that you have this fearless part of you that is just mm -hmm. like, eh, I'm going to see where this goes. Eh, I don't really like it, but you know what? Let me try this. And I think I see that so often in my kids when I let them, you know, I don't say you should put this here. You should put that there. And I just let them make, I am, I really learn from them because they don't care and they're, they're just fearless. And I, I learn from them a lot because I think so often now I hold myself back subconsciously. I know. I know. Yeah. Or we get, I don't know if you have this, but I get caught up in like the, like having to be like really precise with my quilts, which yeah. surprises me because I, you know, so the first, those, those quilts that we were making for the wedding, they were kind, they were kind of like wonky log cabin quilts. And I love that style. And I found it really freeing to quilt in that way and not worry about precision. But the more I quilt, sometimes like the more I have to battle that like instinct towards per perfection. Um, so yeah, you're right. <laughs> yeah. You're right. I, it's just, it, and I, and I hate that I'm like that, right? I enjoy the process. I enjoy it. And I think sometimes I'm just way too much in my head. Um, yeah. Okay, let's talk about log cabins because okay. you did oh, that yeah. rainbow log cabin, girl. I No, oh, you, yeah. that was a courthouse steps. That was in a log mm -hmm. cabin. Yes. Okay. That yeah, that was quilt. in my kitchen. I love that quilt. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I did too. You know, I... Because those were that was the style that we worked on um, for those quilts, those wedding quilts that I made. For a while, I sort of um, took a step away from them because I just wanted to try different styles of quilts. But I am really getting back into log cabin. I have four, just four log cabin quilts I love in the it. works right now. It's <laughs> crazy. I'm working on, excuse me, I'm working on one for my daughter's third birthday. It's kind of my tradition. I make them each like a twin quilt for their big girl bed for their third birthday. And that one is in a, is this Heather Ross far, far away fabric that I've been hoarding for years. And um, I'm making her a little log cabin quilt out of that. And I'm I so excited. I know. And you've been like uh, posting your design wall and like how it's coming yeah. together. So it's like, here it is a little bit. And then, then, you know, a couple of days later, you'll be like, it's growing. And that is such a cute collection. And I have, I it's it. so funny. I, I, on a, on a, not another chat because all my chats are happening kind of at the same time now. So it's been fun because it's almost like I've been hanging out with a whole bunch of quilters. But um, yeah, we were talking. I was like, I don't need another quilt. And I was like, but one day my kids might just need, you know, like 15 quilts in their dorm. I'm pretty sure that's going to happen. <laughs> you know? But my it's so funny. Like I sometimes collaborate with my mom 
my mom does not like to cut out the blocks, but if I cut them out and say, and sew one together and say, all right, mom, this is how you put it together, then she will finish it. And then I will quilt it and usually bind it. Sometimes she will bind them. And then we had these collaborative quilts that we've done like this. So one day I know that my girls, that's going to be so special to them that they have these heirlooms that we have done together that are for them. And it's just so special. And like you said, that third birthday quilt for your girls is going to be like, that is going to be such an heirloom. And I think Sometimes it's really, we get, we forget that these things are heirlooms. Like we forget how special this is, the talent that we have to do this for our children and our family and our friends. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, I know. It's true. I love that you do that with your mom. I'm going to steal that idea because my mom, I said she was a garment maker and she's like, so she thinks I'm crazy for quilting. I mean, crazy in a good way. She, yeah. just, she thinks there's no way she can do it, which to me is like, bananas because i'm so intimidated by carbon sewing um oh now our quarter so inch seam let me just tell you is way different okay it's so way different, different. It's I would, like so when my mom sews the blocks i'm like okay i'm gonna have to ease this one in <laughs> yeah i know but so yeah so she's so i'm really i've been trying to get her into quilting and i kind of like your idea of doing all the cutting for her and just telling her okay so this and i think that could get her obsessed yeah, like my mom can sew and know how to do it. It's just like I have to, She. she this must be where I get visual learning from. So if I cut it all up and I make one block and I say, okay, this is how you do it. And I kind of explain to her the process of putting the, you know, the block together. Then it's so funny. She'll say, okay. And then she'll get home and she'll text me and she'll say, all right, is this how they go? And I'm like, no, no, no. You have to move them around. And, and it's fun because that, that is a fun thing for us to do together. And, and she really likes having that project to work on, but yes, yeah. do that for your mom. And I, I tell you, it is really fun. It is really, but I will say my mom is not as precise as me. So I'm not going to kid you. <laughs> you have to give up some control. <laughs> you do. And it's not going to come back maybe in the way that you would have done it, but I just totally don't even care anymore. I'm like, I don't even care what those points look like. This is what we're yeah. doing. It's a fun project. And so she doesn't, I usually quilt them um, because I have the long arm here, but it works out. So if your mom's scared of that, yes, girl, try it. Let me know. Send me some pictures. Okay. Okay. I am going to, I'm going to try it. I'll let you know. Yes. That's <laughs> awesome. Well, um, so it's, Let's talk about fabric for a minute. Do you buy fabric um, like with an intention of I'm going to make this with this fabric or are you like me and you're like, I really like this fabric. I'm going to buy it for my stash. I, yeah, I'm, I'm more like you, (laughs) you know, I, sometimes I buy with, with, with a project in mind specifically. I do do that, but I also am still kind of in that building my stash mode. Although occasionally I'll go through, I'll go through and, um, and then sort of tell myself like, no more, you can't do it. It's over. (laughs) Um, and then really limit myself to certain designers. Um, but yeah, no, I, I, yeah, I, I, I don't always have a project in mind. Um, I am getting better about kind of mixing and matching collections. Sometimes I can be really like, 
I don't know, like militant about keeping one collection yes, together, even if it too. coordinates well with another. Uh-huh. And and that's actually something I've been trying to do with these log cabin quilts is instead like I'm, I'm one of the log cabin quilts I'm making is like all kind of like um, greens and blues. And I'm pulling from Cotton and Steel and Carolyn Friedlander and um, and even just some of my like vintage textile collection. I'm pulling from that. And it's really fun to see them all together. So I'm trying to get better at doing that. I want this blue and green quilt. So if like once you get it made, it goes missing. I'm not the one that took it. Okay. It's, <laughs> it's going to be one of those quilts that takes years because I'm making it for a cabin that we don't even have yet. Love it's like I'm making that it for, you are doing I'm that. Love it. <laughs> cabin. So Yeah. Oh, girl, we would be fast friends. We so would be fast (laughs) friends because I love this. Oh, my goodness. That is so funny. Um, I did. So like how I recently, well, not recently, I, I think it happened last year, but I do have certain collections or designers together. And then some of them I did mm-hmm. break up. I like said, you know, I'm not going to leave this fat quarter bundled together. I'm going to break it up. And um, I put them in rainbow order and then solids are in rainbow order. How do you have yours, um, you know, organized like that? And like your sewing space, how, what, where do you sew in your house? Well, I'm really lucky to have um, a whole room to myself. So I have this like, the kind of smallest bedroom in our house that's at the back of our house. And that is my sewing space. Um, And so I have a big, I have a table that I use for cutting. Um, I'm actually going to be building uh, cutting, like a higher cutting table. um, Me too. Few weeks. Yeah. Oh my God. Cause my back is killing me. Right. Yes. And I want it to be on rollers. (laughs) Oh, you know, I need to do that too. I'm going to see, I'm going to steal that from your show. (laughs) Okay. Um, But so, so yeah, I, I have a table there. I have, and then I have a little sewing table and my ironing board set up in a big like Ikea glass door cabinet with my fabric in it. And I have it, I have like my kind of smaller or kind of like one-off fat quarter pieces or, or yardage. I have those sort of grouped by color, right? Like in a rainbow. Um, but then I tend to group things by either designer or manufacturer, um, so I've got like my whole top shelf is all my Heather Ross because I love her. I like whatever she makes, I'm going to buy. I'm just obsessed with her <laughs> stuff. Um, and then I've got a whole bunch of cotton and steel and Carolyn Friedlander. Um, and then, and then, yeah, a bunch of vintage sheets, um, vintage fabric uh, that people have given me over the years. So, so that's kind of how I structure things. I have my indigo dyed fabric. Uh, <laughs> yes, we're going to get into that. Okay. Um, it's so funny. I had a, a whole bin. So I have four friends or I'm the fourth one. I have three friends who I still keep in touch with from growing up. And um, one of them started sewing and she comes over and I went, I had a whole bunch of bins of fabric that people had given me or I had bald and then I had a bunch of vintage sheets and all kinds of stuff so I said you know what I'm gonna go through all of this and I'm going to just keep what I want and this happened when I did the rainbow tossing of my fabric and Mm -hmm. she came over and I gave her I think I'm pretty sure I gave her all my vintage sheets and she was like oh my goodness and it's so funny she's not in the sewing world like that's she's not even on she is on Instagram but like she doesn't really post a lot of her sewing stuff and 
it's kind of something that we do together and she does talk to her mom and her sister about it but when I give her these fabrics it's crazy what she does with them that I would never do and so I release them to her and let her take them and it's I love a good vintage sheet oh my goodness don't those make the best quilts have you made a quilt with them yet I yes I well I've backed a quilt oh my goodness um and I I've got some ideas for do you know um Pearl Soho's tiny tiles quilt. Yes. Have you ever yep. made one of those? Or are you familiar with it? I made, so I made one of those just with some solid fabrics, but I want to make a vintage sheet version of that. Um, that's kind of on my radar. Yes. So, I yeah. They're do. beautiful. Mm-hmm. It is a lot of fun. Um, and it is hard. I think it's really hard that fat quarter bundles and jelly rolls and, you know, charm packs and all of that are all so cutely bundled up together and it's really hard sometimes to release them and let them have friends with you know other fat quarters and other jelly rolls I know it's true (laughs) how do you find that since so so you when you like you said you rainbow ties your stash you did you completely break up collections doing that Mm -hmm. I didn't do how has that affected your sewing You know, I haven't really, (laughs) you know what, it makes it easier, like, when I need a specific color to go in there and look for them. Now, you know, like, Anna Maria has, like, all of her fabrics together, and all of Heather Ross's are together, and all of, you know, different people have theirs. Sandy Henderson has her own pile. Sarah Jane has her own pile. Like, I kept those together because I feel like their collections all work really well together from collection to collection. And I think that's happening a lot with designers now that – it's almost like they're, you know, it's their style. So even one collection comes out, but they all meld together and you can keep them together and pull them different lines and make it work to still have a good cohesive look. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, I've seen that too. I noticed that I actually noticed that when I was just making this, um, this far, far away quilt that I don't, I'm not at the point yet, but I might need to pull in some fabrics from some of her later lines, from Heather Ross's later lines, and and some of them could work really well. Yeah. Yeah, and Mm -hmm. I think that's nice because... Me too. Because then it's not so bad, right? It's not so bad that you buy so much of one designer because then you can not use everything out of one collection but use keep using them in different quilts and you know only pull in certain fabrics that fit in you know like the far far and away it's it's kind of got a pinky yellow orange Mm -hmm. um vibe to it whereas you know she has those bright greens that you might not want to put in this collection but if you made another quilt it might totally work with some of her other prints to do you know what I mean yep yep I do yeah oh I I do that that green print is so to die for I know it really is yeah I'm loving that color more and more in quilts sorry wait just a second I have oh. to yell at my mom mom okay <laughs> sorry I text her obviously she didn't look at her text <laughs> no worries <laughs> sorry sorry listeners my That's mom's okay. coming to sew with me today <laughs> And maybe while we're chatting, since we're not sewing yet, she might clean. Oh, I love it. I hope so. I hope so, too. I have the dryer going, so she'll go check that and make the girl's bed. Yay! (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, indigo dyeing. I do want to talk a little bit about this because I haven't done this before, and you post 
like these indigo dying parties at your house that I want to show up to and be like, hey, wasn't invited, but I'm here. <laughs> so tell me, how did, yeah, you, how did you get into that? And can you, I just kind of want to know the process of it. Like how, mm-hmm. is it time consuming? Does it take a lot to do it? Um, how did you get started? Do you have like a good resource? Yeah, so I, um, I started, I took a class at a business in Buffalo called Makers. Um, it's, it's closed now, but they offer kind of introductory um, uh, craft classes, and Indigo Dying was one of them. And I took the course and just totally became obsessed with it. Um, started dyeing everything in my house. <laughs> um like all my anything that that ha, you know was like white or cream went into the dye vat. So all my cloth napkins are blue. That um, is awesome. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. It's like a, you you get obsessed with it. Um, and then yeah, and then I started dyeing yardage for my quilts. Um, once I found some some shibori style folds that I really liked, um, I started to see how I could use them in in my quilts. I don't know if you're familiar with this this um, natural dyer, um, Christine Vehar, I think is how you say her name. She owns uh, a Verb for Keeping Warm, which uh-huh. is a natural dye yep. studio and shop in Oakland. And she's just incredible. She has this beautiful book about natural dyeing. And in that book is a patchwork indigo shibori quilt. And when I saw that in her, in her book, that project, I was like, oh, God, I got to make something like this. Um, so I did, and then I, and that sort of just really got like, I don't know, the the wheels spinning in my brain about about indigo and shibori fabric and how to use them in my quilts. Um, and then, you know, one of my one of my goals is to really build a community in Buffalo around um, textile making. Um, and I had a lot of requests. To um, to show people how to use, show how to people how to dye indigo. So it just kind of went in line. In the summer, I started offering these backyard um, indigo dyeing sessions, and they people I mean they filled up like immediately. There was like such a huge interest in it, um, and so people would come for a few hours. I would teach them how to set up their own vat um, pretty quickly. We use these these um, kits which you can totally get online or at a local art store um, from, from Jackard. Do you know that dye company? Mm-hmm. Um, so they sell an indigo um, dyeing kit that I highly recommend for beginners. Mm-hmm. Um, once you really get dyeing, it's, you might want to experiment more with um, something else, but that is like a great place to start. And it's super quick. You can set up your vat within like 30 minutes. And, and most of that 30 minutes is just letting the vat sit there. Um, and then you kind of go to town and just start dying things. So you can totally do it. You can totally do it. Um, so Anna Joyce has a great class on creative plug that shows you how to do everything in case you can't find a local class. Okay. And so do you um, get the Shibori? Um, oh, what did you just call it? You just told me what it was called, where it's, it's what you put on the um, – the fabric to like make your your resist the dye that part yeah so that the great thing about that kit that I mentioned um is that it comes with uh things to to 
comes with things to like do your resist. So it comes with okay. rubber bands. It comes with these little wooden shims. It comes with popsicle sticks. And then it has a whole little booklet that shows you how to do the common uh, shibori, the most common shibori sold. Gotcha. But then, you know, you can start using all sorts of things. So I, I, we did a kitchen renovation a couple of years ago and I had a bunch of subway tile left over. So that, that subway tile is now in my, in my like die kit. I use those subway tiles for hold, for binding my folds. And, um, I use like pieces of hardware, like cabinetry hardware that we didn't use in our kitchen renovation. Um, but that I couldn't return. I use those in, in, in my, um, you know, in my resist. So you can really get creative with what you use. I really like the, um, the little dots that you get that when I, you did the Me circle too. and it had the, and then you did squares as well, but it had the little, I don't know. It looks so cool. It almost looked like you were looking you know at this tunnel. Are? What? So that's from clothespins. <gasps> no way. Yeah. Yeah. They're just clothespins. And that's actually one of my, fa- like probably my favorite, uh, like resist technique are using clothespins. I just love that. I love the little dots that you're talking about. And that is the, the dot is made just where like the, you know, the end of the clothespin meets. Wow. That's it. It's super cool. Yeah. I actually made a whole quilt that is just fabric that I dyed with clothespins. So it's like a whole clothespin resist <laughs> indigo quilt. Wow. So I'm, I'm assuming mm-hmm. that once you jump yourself in this hole, that it's just a deep, dark hole that you go down to and you really just, it's all things blue. Like you said, all of your, all of your kitchen yes. napkins are now blue. Yes. I mean, I know we both talked about how we were trying to resist getting into punch needling. I will give you a warning about the go dying that once you enter that, yeah, you're gonna you're gonna have a few months of just dyeing everything blue and thinking about it all the time. So in these backyard parties, because we were talking about you know building a community, mm-hmm. so you did you just you had everything and you just said show up and you like had a minimum amount. I'm sure that they they paid and then they just did yeah. one piece of fabric. Um, because this is such a cool idea, and I bet you could do even a like a summer backyard kids thing. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. I, for this, I set up, um, you know, I had like a two hour, they were two hour workshops, although they, they really went about two and a half hours. I wasn't really strict about kicking people out. Um, but I set up a, an event on the using Eventbrite. I don't know if you've ever used it or bought tickets for something through there, but yeah. it's a really easy way for you to sell tickets to an event. Um, and easy way for people to pay for them. So I, I would, I, set up tickets on Eventbrite. I think I had capped out at six or seven people per workshop. And, and then, yeah, I mean, I use my own, um, my own stash of sort of like dyeing tools and bought tea towels. So everybody who came got to dye a tea towel. I also had some um, fabric for them to practice some folds on just like cut into probably about like a fat quarter size. And then everybody was also allowed to bring one item of their own to, to put in the dye vat. That's wow. how that worked. Wow, mm-hmm. that is so cool. And so have you kept in touch with some of these people? Are they like now people that you get creative with? Yeah, I. so it was a great mix of people that I knew and people I didn't know. And it, I, you know, we've, I sort of, 
anyone that came to class, I sort of started following on Instagram and um, have stayed in touch with. And I, I'm hoping to put together this winter um, a little quilting circle, like a, a beginner quilting circle. And some of those folks are interested in doing that. Um, so yeah, it's been nice. I feel like it's 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 helping me get to that goal of creating a community around textile making. Yeah. My so- dream, my total dream, and I am working on it, is to have some kind of, um, you know, workshop space, like physical space um, around, yeah, around textile making and probably other crafts, but, but that's my dream. <laughs> yeah, I totally have the same one. I think about it all mm. of the time. I drive around town and think, that'd be a really good location. There is a, there's a right? building that has been empty for re- like years since I, my, my daughter's in fifth grade and it's been empty the whole time she's been so six years and it's mm-hmm. on the way to their school. So every day we go by this building and it has this trim on it that looks like it could be flying geese on the outside. So I always think like, okay, oh, cool. I could do that. And that I, it's just like this perfect building with these big windows in the front, but it's not too big. It's small. And I, every day I drive by it, I tell my kids, they even know that I'm like, mommy one day wishes that could be a space where you just walk from school over here and it's just a sewing place and a creative place. And we talk about about it all the time yeah that's awesome I mean I love I, it. it hasn't come true like we haven't even done anything to make it happen but we talk about it all the time <laughs> yeah I love you know I I love that you share that with your girls I'm st- I sometimes I my tendency is like because if I have an idea like that is to just sort of keep it inside because I'm worried you know I I don't know I just I don't maybe it's like half I feel protective of it but half I also feel like that imposter syndrome of like, who am I to say I want to do this? Yeah. Um, but I've been trying to talk about it more to people because, you know, when you do share your idea with folks, sometimes that's like when it starts to actually come together. So, yeah. And it's, it's that being around other people who are creative lights a fire in you that is different than the solo sewing that so many of us do. And that's why I encourage listeners like go to retreats or go to workshops or, you know, be a part of a guild because I know so many of us are introverts and it's so easy to get stuck in that. But when you put yourself out there and you're around people that like get the conversations that you want to have, it really ignites this thing in you that is so special. It makes you a different creative. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. That's been my experience, too. Yeah, it is so, oh, it's just so crazy. Um, so what about your your kids? I mean, do you invite them to come in and sew with you, or have you done anything with them, to, or do they have any interest? No, they have lots of interest. They're just, I, they're, they're young. So my, <clears throat> excuse me, my youngest will be three in a couple months, and then my oldest is like four and a half. Yeah. Um. So, so they, you know, they hop on my lap um, and, you know, they like to, they like to press certain buttons on my sewing machine and I let them do that. Um, They really are into the foot pedal. So sometimes I'll put that on a really slow speed. We've sewed a lot of pillows for their dolls. Yeah. A lot, a lot of pillows for their dolls. We're all set on those. (laughs) Um, But I am, I'm thinking about getting my four-year-old 
a sewing machine for her fifth birthday, like a kid's sewing machine. Yeah. Um, because she has expressed such a strong interest. But I'm actually, like, I, I've sort of started looking for advice on, and I, I don't know if you have any, I know your girls are older, but if you have any advice on where to start with teaching your kids how to sew, like, I just, I don't, I don't, I don't know where to start with her. <laughs> that, what you're doing, letting them sit on your lap, letting them push the buttons, mm-hmm. letting them see what you're doing. And as they get older, I would say six, you know, five, six, because five, you know, five and six is when they, it's kindergarten, they learn how to listen and listen to direction and, you know, like follow along with it. Um, and then first grade, they get a little bit better at that. And as they go through school, they kind of learn these listening and following directions and things like that so it gets easier for you as a mom to work with them on sewing um right but that's just what I did they would sit with me and I I just mentioned the other day on the podcast that for the little one I would let mine have fabric scraps and mod podge you can order it down in a canvas so she would make her own quilt but not really sew Um, but she was able to have, because they want the textile, they want that fabric, right? They see you doing that and they want to have some, they want to see how they can work with it. And my kids always use scissors. I know some parents don't let their kids use scissors, but I always did. Oh yeah. I'm like, if you cut your hair, then I mean, it's going to grow back. Um, I love that. Yeah, or your shirt or whatever. I mean, it's okay. It's not, you know, just try not to cut your finger off. Um, but that, I mean, just, you know, doing the canvas. So she had fabric and I would let her just totally make a mess. And um, then one thing that you can do that I thought was, it was very helpful for my kids when they got a little bit older. I would say this was, you know, kindergarten, first grade, is put a piece of batting down and let them have fabric and cut it the way they want their block to look. Now, let me just stress that kids do not get the quarter inch seam thing. Like they will make a half an inch strip and you're like, you're not even going to see the strip when we sew this together. It's real. You just, you have to go with it on this one. Right, um, right. So I'd say, you know, like put out how you want it to look and I would give them scraps and they were allowed to do that. And then I would kind of section that you know, I would put the batting over by um, the sewing machine and the iron and I would sit with them and I would say, okay, we're going to sew these two pieces together and open them up and sew them to this piece. And then you kind of, and it's not going to probably be all at one sitting. And then unless they're really attentive and they want to finish it and, um, you know, we would just make that block. So it's an improv block, right? And you can turn that improv block into a baby you know, like a, a doll quilt or a pillow or whatever. Sometimes they mm-hmm. just wanted it. You know, they just wanted the block. They didn't want to do anything with it. So then it kind of teaches them to put fabric and arrange it how they want it to to look and sew it together. Raw edge applique is a really good thing for kids um, because they yeah, can, you know, you, you just use uh, school glue, like, you know, Elmer's school glue that'll wash out the washable kind. Yeah. And you say, okay, what do you want to do? And maybe they, you know, cut a heart out or something. Or kids love to cut fabric because they see you doing it. So you get a block and you say, cut whatever you want. And we'll sew it onto this block. And so then you just school glue it down and let them sit on your lap and help them to at raw edge, applique it down. And then you can make something with it like a tote or a pillow or whatever. And 
you know, when you wash it, that school glue will come out. So just little things like that will really help them to get in there and do it. And then they'll get to where they'll like my kids. My eight-year-old sits down and says whatever she wants. That's awesome. Okay, that's my goal. I want to, I want my kids to get there. Yeah, and they will. I love your ideas. That's so helpful. I really, you should, I mean, I know you have a lot going on, but you should do like a little e-course on this or something. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> and it, add to your to <laughs> It was trial and error. Now, you have a Juki. Does your Juki have a speed control on it? Yes. Okay. Yes, it can go my, very slow. Right. So I taught my kids, like, they're not allowed to do full speed. They have to go. And now my kids can do full speed, but they usually do it in the middle. They don't go full blast. But you always tell them, like, you're not allowed to sit down at the machine unless you make sure to turn this down before you start. Mm -hmm. And they do. They learn. Um, but you do a lot of it, them on your lap at first. And then you will graduate to let them do it their their way. And you will. And I always did the ironing. I still do the ironing for them. If they have something that they're making, I will usually do the ironing for them because I burn myself as an adult. I'm pretty sure they're going to inherit that. My mom burns herself all the time, oh, too. Yeah. So they're going to inherit burn that myself all the time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I burn myself all the time with them. Yeah, that's 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 great. I actually my Juki, the the the. <laughs> the fast and slow, like the fast as a rabbit and the slow as a turtle. So it's like very, very kid friendly. I didn't even think of that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it doesn't really have, um, cause it's a straight stitch machine. So it doesn't give them a lot of options, which I think are good for them to not have a lot of mm -hmm. options. But my kids, yeah. I had a singer, it wasn't like a Walmart singer. It was a little bit of an upgraded singer. Um, and it had, you know, just basic stitches on it. And I still pull that out and let them sew on it all the time. Um, you know, you just don't want such a cheap machine for your kids because it's going to break. The thread's going to break. It's Right, right. It's going to be frustrating. You want an, a good enough machine that it's not going to have all those issues. Right. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah, and if you can find one of the Hello Kitty Janomies, they're really good. Oh, good. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I looked. I I saw those online. I was looking at them. Yep, they're good oh, and hey. they're pretty sturdy. <laughs> um, but yeah, just let them go. It's so funny though. My kids will be like, "Can I have this fabric?" I'm like, "Nah." Well, maybe not that one. Can you pick out another one? They're like, "Why?" And I'm like, "But this is Heather Ross. I mean, like, come on." <laughs> it's funny. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely. Yeah, maybe I should let mine build their own fabric stash because I've run into that too, where they pick out like a really like you know, beloved piece of fabric. And I'm like, no. Yeah. So no I just, with that one. yeah, I just kind of did scraps at first. I mean, I really did. Scraps were what they were allowed to do. And you can even do, um, you could even set it up where it's, it's the piece of batting with like a, just a solid piece of material on the back and a solid piece of material on the front and then let them put the scraps on and glue base them all down and then just let them quilt them right so they just are sewing mm -hmm. over the fabric and it'll all be raw once you wash it up it's just raw edge as right. long as you stitch right. it down in some way it should be fine yeah, but yeah, oh, love these ideas let it <laughs> loose I do and I my kids <laughs> they just have I don't want to limit their creativity because I don't know. I, I feel like I'm, I'm helping them to explore who they are and what they like to do. And I really hope that one of them decides to be an artist. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, well, I think that approach is going to help them get there. So I think that's awesome. Yeah. So, um, 
but I think building a community for you is that is such a smart idea to kind of start out with the indigo dyeing and then you know kind of turn that into the sewing circle and it's just such a great thing and you're really going to build some awesome relationships and probably friendships that you're going to love from years to come yeah I hope so that's that's my that's my hope yeah so if you're in Buffalo listeners if you're in Buffalo check her out make sure and go um, follow her on Instagram I will have links to all that we talked about I kind of want to keep talking I know listeners you're always like you went over you know your download is too long (laughs) because it's way over an hour and I get that that the download gets big but it's so hard when I, I mean it's a conversation that I love having you're another maker that I'm connecting with and um, but yeah, we're going to have to go to lightning round, but okay. I'm inviting okay. you back on. You have to come back on. <laughs> okay. Thanks. Um, all right. Pattern. Do you use one or wing it? Usually wing it. I am making, um, a Meadowland quilt, oh. um, from then came June right now. So that's been really fun. That's one of like the first patterns that I've ever used. And that's a great one. So oh. but typically I wing it. I can't wait to see that. Uh, batting. Do you have a batting preference? Cotton, bamboo, wool, poly? You know, I have just been using cotton um, just by default. And then I recently just made a quilt with wool and was blown away yep. by the results. So I'm starting to mix it up. Um, I'm actually good. Yeah, I just bought some bamboo batting, too, to try that out. So I'm, I'm trying to be more adventurous. Yeah. And there is a cotton wool blend. There's a cotton poly blend. Um, Polly's going to give you a little bit of that puff. But if you mix yeah. it with a cotton, it kind of, oh, so good, girl. Keep experimenting because I think that I you'll know, like I it. I know. I need to. Yeah. I need to. Um, quilting, long arm or domestic? Um, depends on the size of the quilt. I have a great local long arm quilter that I work with. So if I have something that's like, I would say twin size and up, I usually send it to her. Um, but then anything smaller I do on my domestic machine. Have you ever gotten on the long arm? I haven't yet. No. Um, there's a place about 20 minutes south of me where you can, um, take a class and rent one. And so I'm thinking, rent it by the hour. So I'm thinking of trying that. Yeah. I think I just need to come visit you. <laughs> I know. Do you do it? Yes. I have a long arm and you would oh. really like it. It's so a different, yeah. it's a different, it, it's different than quilting on your domestic machine and it's a little more freeing and it's kind of methodical. Like you, you have the same motion and I like to listen to something while I long arm, um, mm-hmm. but you get in this space and you get really in the zone and it, it is a lot of fun. You yeah, would, yeah, I think you would enjoy it. Um, cool. Sewing room. Are you a creative mess or clean and organized? Oh, creative mess. Like, <laughs> I love it. So messy. You're like, oh, duh. Yes, that one. <laughs> yeah, there's no, I keep, yeah, that's, you know. <laughs> uh, thread, do you have a preference? Um, You know, I, I mean, I use, I have, um, oh gosh, what is the company? name I, I kind of go between the the stuff you get at Joanne's is it Guterman's yeah is that how you say it mm-hmm. that um and then I have some of the oh I can't remember the Italian company oh <laughs> or yeah 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 so I have I have my stash is mostly those two um binding hand or machine I do machine binding 
Yeah. I, I love when people say that because it makes me like, yes, I have somebody else on my team. <laughs> Um, I do, you know, and that's like one of the things I feel like the, the the biggest sort of imposter syndrome about sometimes I'm like, how can I teach anyone how to, to, to quilt? I've never even hand bound a quilt before, but you know, I, I haven't either. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. Neither oh, have God, I. Yay. Okay. <laughs> awesome. Love it. Um, fabrics, solids or prints? Um, hmm. I have both. I really do a strong mix of both. I, yeah. I can't help. I, I fall in love with, with like the, the novelty print collections. I really do. Yeah, me too. Um, if you could have any other job other than the one that you have right now, you don't have to be qualified. What would you do? Mm. What would I do? Um, like dream job. Okay. I think we might have talked about yeah. a little bit of your dream is to have a studio. Yeah. I, pr- yeah, probably like a, like a shop owner. Yeah. Um, yeah, I probably would. I think about that, like how much fun creative space, art teacher. Right. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, what has been one of your biggest mistakes or challenges and how'd you overcome it? Um, I mean, I think I talked about this earlier with the, with the photography business, but just getting too caught up in what other people are doing in, in a particular industry and thinking that I needed to replicate their model instead of build my own that was in line with my values and my interests. Yeah. And so you are selling your wares. I mean, you have a website where you do custom orders and you also have a shop and, um, mm-hmm. how is that going? I mean, have you, have you had good success or are you just doing it because you're like, I don't need all these quilts and I'm going to make anyways. How, how has that been for you? Yeah. Some of it, I mean, I, I have, I've sold a couple of quilts that I have made on my own, but most of the work that I've had come in since I launched has been custom orders. But typically they are custom quilts that are inspired by other quilts I've made for myself or for friends. Um, So they'll, you know, people will find my work on Instagram or they'll look at my portfolio on my website and say, I kind of want a quilt like this one that you made, but with this color palette. Um, so that's, so yeah, that's how that's worked. It's almost, yeah, it's really almost all been custom work, oh, well, which that's is awesome. fun. I love, I, I love working with people on building a quilt. It's yeah. really cool. It is. And I've done some, oh yeah, I, I, I've also done some memory quilts for people, um, not t-shirt quilts, but out of, you know, um, you know, kind of woven material and those yeah. have been really special. Yeah. Those are a lot of fun. Those are a lot mm-hmm. of fun. And when I work on those, especially if they're made with someone's clothing, it's just a different headspace for me. I think about that family the mm-hmm. whole time that I'm making this quilt and I really, you know, put positive thoughts in it and like really think about this person. And it's a really different headspace to do one of those memory quilts. It is. Yeah. I actually had a, a friend of mine, a close friend of mine passed away in December and I made one of for his mother out of his plaid shirts. And it was so, it was like cathartic for me too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It <laughs> to does. work on that quilt. It was a really special experience. Yeah, that is really so. cool. Well, I will have a link to all of the things that we talked about. <clears throat> you are localcolorquilts.com and you mm-hmm. um, are also on Instagram as localcolorquilts. I will have those. So listeners, make sure you go and follow Whitney and check out what she is up to. And if you're in Buffalo, like hit her up and do an indigo class. Like serious. I, I want to be you yeah, if you're in please. Buffalo. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, thanks for coming right, thanks. on for a chat. Yeah, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. And um, yeah, can't wait to hear more from everybody else.